0: Welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show, a podcast for government and public sector marketing professionals who want to level up their digital marketing and social media knowledge, skills, and strategic thinking. And now, welcome your host, Joanne Sweeney.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 47 of the Public Sector Marketing Show. Let's start February 2022 with a deep dive into what's been happening with the social networks. Is TikTok still commanding all the attention of audiences and is Instagram trying to catch up? We're joined by Andy Lambert. As you know, we get together every month for the social media news show, and I'm now bringing it to you on this podcast. So it's over to Andy to tell us what what's been happening over the past month in the world of social media. Level up your social media skills by taking our diploma in social media, plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code socialmedia20 for a 20% discount.
0: Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com
1: Hello and you're all very welcome to the very first edition of the Social Media News Show for 2022. And as always, I am joined by the wonderful Andy Lambert from Content ContentCal. Andy, is it too late to say Happy New Year?
0: No, 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 never too late. Happy New Year to you, Joanne.
1: Well, thank you so much. And we haven't seen each other maybe in about six or seven weeks, but as always, there's lots happening on the social media scene and as per last year you are going to take us up to date with what's been happening on the social networks in terms of metrics performance users but then new features and tactics and it's lovely to do this in excuse me in january because it kind of sets us up for the year when we're thinking about our own plans so over to you and we will have a chat at the end to kind of deep dive into some of the things that i think are interesting for public sector pros
0: Amazing. Perfect. Thank you so much, Joanne. And thank you everyone for giving up a bit of time to uh, to run through this today. Um, so we'll start with, with this really, is that the way that this session runs, same as every one we did last year as well, which is we'll talk about some broader trends and some shifts that we're seeing at the high level, then we'll dive into more network specific Changes. Now, not all of them will be applicable to everyone who's watching this session, and that's okay. And don't feel compelled to do everything. There are lots of changes, but really, as we'll cover at the end, they all can be contextualized under six major shifts that are happening. So, as, as Joan already mentioned, like lots of changes, lots of things happening, but don't feel compelled that you need to react to every one of these. It just gives us an opportunity at the beginning of the year just to make sure that. The directions of the social platforms are in broad alignment with where we're going and where we intend to take our content strategy. That really would be my kind of core takeaway. But as um yeah, Joanne's already mentioned, hi, I'm Andy from Content Cal. This is what Content Cal looks like: content planning tool. And that's all I'm gonna say about that. Let's go into where all of the goodness is. And really, this session should be about kind of half an hour in length. So let's start at some big trends, right? And whilst this won't be immediately applicable to the majority of public sector organisations, it does really represent a fundamental underlying shift in social commerce. We've we've spoken about it a lot over the last year, but some latest statistics I thought was worthwhile uh, sharing. So social spending is up 50% year on year. So this is the amount of money that people are spending through social, not just in buying products directly off Instagram and the like, Uh, through Instagram shops, Facebook shops, but also spending money with creators that those individuals are following. Last year, um, just to cast your mind back, we saw the launch of Twitter super follows, where people could subscribe for a small monthly fee of a couple of dollars per month um, to get exclusive content from a certain creator. And really, whilst that might seem from a kind of business or public sector perspective, thinking like, how does that apply to to us and our organisation? how it applies is the fact that this underlying shift in consumer behavior means that what we're going to start to see is the formation of lots of micro communities focused around specific niches. Now, that then gets very interesting for us as organizations, for profit or non-for-profit. It doesn't matter because fundamentally, there'll be more communities that we can work with to help distribute our message. And really, that's the behavioral shift we're going to see uh, over the course of this. But just to kind of really hammer home the point of um social commerce it's going to triple in three years so fundamentally we're we're seeing a macro shift happening before our eyes here in terms of the way that people not just get inspired to to purchase goods we know that's been the case with social for a long time we already know from data from visa a couple of years back said that one in four purchases are already inspired by social but what we're actually seeing is people completion or completing that purchasing journey directly on social which then means more and more people flock to social media channels, more people use it more regularly. That gives us more opportunity as brands. And as I said, all of the whole kind of community building that happens around that too, gets really, really interesting. So we're at the beginning of another big shift in social, uh, moving beyond just people browsing it for entertainment purposes and us interrupting people when they're just looking to entertain themselves, You know, opening up Instagram or TikTok or whatever, but actually going to social for a purpose. And that is really good for, for us as brands, like I said, irrespective of whether we're for profit or not for profit. The growth is going to be driven from across the world as well. So you'll see the majority of these people watching this, will probably be US and UK, um, both going to have significant growth over the next three years. So really, really significant. This growth will be initially driven by uh, Generation Z, so that the youngest generation um, always forget how they're segmented, to be honest. So. Um, I'll, come, I'll gloss over that bit. But the growth will be driven initially from from the younger audience, which will be more natural in adopting um, the ability to spend on social. But it's actually it's the millennials, which I think I fall into that bracket. I don't know. I'm getting older, so I might not anymore. Um, but either way, they're the ones that are going to drive the majority of spending. So we're actually going to see this go across a broad gram- gamut of individuals. So fundamentally, that actually means really good things for the demographics on social, it means we're going to get a more broader mix as spending becomes more centralized on social. So, that is a big macroeconomic shift we're seeing in social. And you're going to, the reason I, I call that out is because it really does define a lot of the trends and changes we're going to talk about that are happening at a feature level within all these platforms. So, one thing I can point out here, which will be very relevant, is some organic trends. So, every month, I go through a whole load of different reports to save you the boredom of having to look for a 72-page analysis on Instagram benchmarks. Not every month is there a new piece of research, but there was a really nice piece of research on Instagram specifically. So I'm gonna call this one out. So this was done by uh, a company called HubSpot and they looked at over a million Instagram accounts. So yeah, really statistically significant evidence. So I'm gonna go through a few things. So firstly, Uh, Average Instagram followers per accounts, this is including businesses and personal accounts, you'll see that the majority of people have under a thousand followers. So if you're in that camp, don't feel concerned or worried about that or that the fact you're failing, in fact, you're just with the masses. It's really like our attention is always taken to those accounts that have millions of followers and we're always looking up to those. But the reality is the majority of Instagram accounts are made up of those with a smaller follower base. Looking at top performing post type, a very common question I get asked, as I'm sure Joanne does as well, and which are the top performing post types? I've seen lots of data around this, some of it conflicting, but one thing that is for certain is that single images, whilst they still work today on Instagram, Instagram in general is moving away from a being an image-led platform into being much more of a video-centric platform. And you're going to see that through the prioritization of some video content, especially If you scroll your Instagram feed and count how many videos you see versus um, the static images that you see, you'll start to see a more heavier weighting towards video. So already, you know, Instagram declared this towards the end of last year where they class themselves as a video first entertainment app, which sounds quite like TikTok, if you ask me. But anyway, so we're seeing a big pivot happening for Instagram Carousel posts do well. We always know that they've done well. Um, The reality is not many people post enough carousel posts because they do get good engagement. So if we're still focusing on images, carousels is definitely the the way we should optimize towards. Uh, And then videos, as you can see, uh, generating the best likes and best engagement in general, most number of comments. Post length is an interesting one. Um, So being completely transparent with this, there's Probably some question marks on the data here, because we've seen lots of kind of small increments on the left hand side. But we're seeing some very big increments here. So I'm not really surprised to see that taking the majority. One hundred to a thousand characters is a big old window. So, um, yeah, we'll take what we can from this guy. I still thought it was interesting enough to share. Well, obviously, we're seeing the majority of posts being published within this window, the one hundred to a thousand characters. But then when you look at what the engagement is like versus the post length it paints a very interesting and different story is that we're seeing that one where we saw 54 percent of all of the posts that are happening on instagram was this one this uh, 100 to a 1, thousand segment but actually it's one of the lowest in terms of engagement it seems that engagement is skewed towards the lower end and this does back up data i've seen from other sources as well So between 20 to 100 characters, which is not much at all, like less than half a tweet. So that is quite interesting because it just goes to show like engagement is driven predominantly from visual uh, visual content, which is interesting. Uh, You know, it challenges our Instagram strategy. It means that, you know, we can't put, well, let's not say we can't, but the data here would suggest that we don't go so heavy with our caption and we'll focus more on engaging content. And of course, when we talk about engaging content, the majority of that's going to be video led. And particularly as is the case with Instagram where they're pushing, it's that short form orientated video. And this probably backs up this data here because of Instagram's push towards reels and short form video, it's probably less surprising that we're seeing posts with less reliance on the caption performing well. So that'd be my takeaway from that really, is that focusing on a shorter caption length and really thinking about bringing um, more video content into uh, your strategy might well be the way to interpret this. This is probably an easy one to interpret, though. You know, very common question. It's like, how many hashtags should I include in a post? According to this data, which is the media engagement versus the number of hashtags, the, this data suggests over those a million accounts that they they looked at, more hashtags, more engagement. And it, you can have up to 30 hashtags per post. The data actually drops off steeply after 20. so. Basically, the more the merrier is the uh, is the guide here. Best day and time to post. Now, this is very interesting. It's very rare that you get to see stuff that's specific to uh, a locale. So here I've picked out London in the the UK. Usually it's kind of generic UTC orientated time zones. So now it's kind of um, it's nice to see it made very specific, but also equally very surprising to see an engagement spike very early in the morning. Um, I wouldn't have expected that we see a little bit of uh, of an engagement spike in midday. I, yeah, no, I think that's that's expected. But then what we've also seen, and as we've always known, actually, we see a ramp up in engagement from 3pm through 6pm, starts to tail off from 7. Basically, early in the morning, midday, late afternoon into early evening. They are your three slots, really. And looking at the days, they're broadly similar. We know that weekends don't perform quite as well. But I think that's probably okay with most of us um yeah a, a slight spike on tuesdays and fridays but of course like this is general guidance right across you know an average across lots and lots of different accounts so my caveat to this is always like look at your own data and lean on your own gut instinct for some of this stuff hopefully this gives you a bit of a guide but don't uh, use this as like the gospel gospel to say oh right i need to change all of everything i'm doing to focus on this data, hopefully it gives you a bit of inspiration, though. Right, they're the big shifts that we're seeing. So let's go on to talking about what's new. So let's start with our, our friends Meta. So on Facebook, multi-person live streaming is becoming a thing. Um, as we saw from the last time we did this, lives are becoming increasingly popular, and we're seeing the engagement on Facebook Lives being the highest level engagement uh, we see across any format on Facebook. So live streaming is here and it's here to stay. They've kind of given it some um, more features. And I really like this multi-person live streaming gives us great opportunity for collaboration with others. And because we're doing a multi-person live stream, it means that we have a chance to get in other people's feeds. And when we get in other people's feeds, i.e. the other three people that we're doing this live stream with, It means that our content is going to be distributed into more people's feeds, more people see it, our engagement goes up, you know, our reach and impressions go up too. So all of that, you know, that for me is a a really good thing. Um, As you can tell how much Facebook are leaning in on live streaming because of the growth of it, um, pinned links is becoming a thing. So. If you're doing a live stream and you're talking about a certain piece or a certain topic or a download or whatever it might be, you can now pin links in the live stream. Very useful so they're not hidden in comments so people can interact with those in a live scenario. So for example, if we're live streaming this on Facebook, pinning a link here, I could pin the link to this uh, the slide deck and everyone can download that straight away. Really useful feature. Live streaming polls. Um, once again it's all about encouraging audience interaction uh, as you've seen from all these features so nothing groundbreaking here but very useful in terms of generating that interaction you're going to start to see more kind of traditional kind of webinar type of scenario functionality appear in live streams. Facebook are launching professional mode now there's always been a bit of a dilemma at Facebook and certainly people that are building audiences on Facebook when I say people I mean kind of creators like personalities more personal brands has always been a bit of a dilemma like do you lean in on your personal profile or your company page both of which have their pros and cons Uh, Facebook's answer to this is the professional mode which essentially allows you to take your personal profile and make it more professionally orientated we've we've seen the same thing on on Instagram where they have creator mode same thing on LinkedIn as well Basically, Facebook are following suit where they recognize that people don't just have like a company page for business and their personal profile. Sometimes they're building up their personal brand and the the brand is the business. Their personality is the business rather. So this is where the professional mode is really useful. What that gets anyway is uh, opens up monetization opportunities, (coughs) excuse me, and monetization opportunities for creators. And it also opens up a much better detail of analytics that's always the thing that's missing from a personal profile on Facebook. Um, Because you don't get any detailed analytics, this fixes that. So yeah, useful update. Moving on to Instagram, however, Um, this is an unpublished milestone, but some reports from inside Instagram say they hit this milestone uh, in December, I think it was. So 2 billion monthly active users. As I said, they've not confirmed it. We haven't seen Uh, a officially reported growth figure from Instagram since 2018 where they reported 1 billion monthly active users. So it's fair to say this is probably quite likely they hit that. Um, Just by kind of reference, um, TikTok hit 1 billion monthly active users in September last year and they say they're going to hit 1.5 by March of this year. So yeah, Instagram still bigger, still ahead, but TikTok are very much uh, coming up on them fast. All video content will become reels. I I alluded to this point earlier where Instagram suddenly, you know, over the course of this year is really starting to pivot. And I feel like this this year, 2022, is a year of big change for Instagram, probably bigger change than we've ever seen uh, when it relates to the core experience that we've become familiar with on Insta. So all video content is going to become reels. I mean, you know, the cynic might say what's a nice way of kind of shoehorning. Uh, reels into becoming a success because not enough people were creating reels. But it also, though, you know, putting my cynicism aside, starts to actually make sense when you think about Instagram's user experience and where they want to just focus on a main kind of video use case where they're going to be pivoting away from images into video. Now, that might sound a bit kind of doomsday if all you're posting is uh, images on Instagram. Don't worry, it's not going to change overnight. Likely, you know, it won't change over the course of this year. But what we're going to see is like more and more emphasis put on video over the course of this year. So it does make sense for us to really start to consider or reconsider our our Instagram strategy to focus more on video. This is a good one. Once again, it's another copycat feature from TikTok. But I think this is going to represent a new benchmark for how we determine good engagement on our posts because historically engagement on our posts I think we all agree was just kind of likes and comments which are fine you know um they do their job but actually engagement on posts can get a bit more detailed than that because here what we can now do and this is popularized by TikTok um you can reply to your posts on your Instagram comments with a reel so a really nice way of kind of encouraging that interaction, that kind of community spirit where someone's commented on your post, you can reply with that video content to really bring your brand to life. And for me, I think this is a challenging thing to do for any brand, you know, a public sector or not. But I think this is going to be the more expected norm for uh, for social. And I think in general, we're gonna see less reliance on publishing loads of loads of content. Still we need to publish content, of course, but actually spending a bit more time with interacting with the comments and trying to build that community spirit within the comments feed. And I think, you know, being able to reply with video content is a really smart move. Once again, another big change for Instagram. Now, lots of people have been asking for this back and Instagram are saying they want to in- improve transparency. Once again, I'm a little bit cynical about this. Um, being a being a Facebook or meta brand. Um, but ultimately, they've had a lot of pressure over the few over, well, since the dawn of time, really. But as soon as they removed the chronological feed and focused it onto an algorithmic feed where you are served content that the system thinks that you would like, as opposed to content, you know, the latest content first. So since that went away, lots of people have been bemoaning that. But now that has returned, albeit in a slightly different guise, The fact that you'd have to go into your Instagram app and you can choose to select whether you want to view something in a chronological order or not so it becomes much more of a user preference. So um, I'm kind of mixed on what that means for us as businesses or organizations here because on the one side, on the one hand rather, it means that thinking about the best time to post becomes even more essential and optimizing our content for certain times becomes more essential if people are looking at Instagram in the chronological feed, um, and it, we can focus less on you know trying to driving maximize engagement to try and get our content seen um, because it becomes more about time. But then again, the counter to that is I have no idea how many people will actually every time they go into Instagram care enough to go ahead and and change their user preferences to view it in the chronological feed. So. Yeah, jury's out on that one. I think we're going to definitely worthwhile paying attention to your analytics over the next three months or so just to see whether we see any shifts in terms of our post impact in terms of reach engagement, et cetera, because this could potentially have an impact on that. Uh, This was a significant and massive update um, which happened um, October, November last year, which was the ability within a Instagram story to link to something. Um, Historically, that had only been available for accounts of over 10,000 followers. But yeah, as of November last year, October, uh, people could create a story and then link to something. Hallelujah for for anyone that's kind of in brand marketing. Now they've made some further improvements to that where you can increase or improve how attractive that link looks in your stories by adding custom text to that link sticker. That's available now. Really useful feature and honestly, definitely the most important one to, to be making use of as far as your kind of story Instagram story strategy goes links obviously thing very very useful now once again I've, I already referenced like a, a new benchmark for engagement when we were talking about replying to comments through reels and for me this this kind of falls into that new benchmark of engagement type of uh, theme as well remixing which was popularized again by TikTok which is the, the notion of once you see a video on TikTok and you want to do like a parody or a take of it, um, that then opens up the opportunity for, for virality, for memes to be created, for um, pieces of content to spread. So like like I was saying before, like just sh- li- simply liking, sharing and commenting on, on stuff all feels a bit social media 1.0. Whereas here, what we're looking at is the the future of how interaction is going to happen on social where people will see a video and then they'll either, you know, do a, their own take on it. In the case of Instagram, they're calling it remixing and they've just rolled it out to all videos, which means anything you see in the feed, you can go ahead and uh, remix that and do a take of it. Um, really interesting, requires a lot of creativity, but it also means that actually, you know, the percentage of our content that will be truly original might end up getting weighted a little more heavily into stuff that's repurposed content. User generated content is gonna be super, super important for us moving forward, more important than it's ever been. Um, And this really is makes reference to that. For for those that are publishing videos that are like a bit nervous that people can go ahead and kind of do a remix of that video, of course they can't change the original file. They're just doing a, a take of it themselves. But um, if you don't want your videos remixed, there is an option to um, select to have your videos not ability to (laughs) not, can't even speak, have your videos not remixed. So um, yeah, it's really interesting theme on this. So you're you're gonna see lots more of this happening on Instagram. This once again, more for about creators and monetization. So when um, creators are going live, they have the opportunity to monetize their content through badges, the people that are viewing the live can purchase badges where the creators can then, you know, make money for creating their content. Once again, what we're seeing here, whilst this feature won't be necessarily applicable for public sector organisations, what we're seeing here is, you know, evidence of the creator economy at scale and the war that we're seeing between the platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, the war for talent, because when they bring the talent to the platform, communities are created around these individuals the community, the individuals will choose which platform they want to be on based on the, their opportunity to monetize their audience. So that's why all the social platforms are climbing over themselves to offer lots of features to help um, those individuals, creators as we'll call them, um, build their communities on their platform. But once again, that goes back to the point I said right at the beginning, which is about this whole creator economy is all about creating niche communities of really passionate fans of which we as organizations can then tap into. This is another very interesting one, but it's just in test at the moment, which is the ability for Instagram, or ability on Instagram rather, to rearrange your grid. So your profile grid, uh, as you'll see on the right hand side here is always fixed based on the content that you post. And lots of people put in lots of effort to determine what they'll post and when, just to make sure it looks nice in their grid. For me, I kind of see it as a bit of a waste of time, if I'm honest, Um, but some people are very passionate about the aesthetic. And for some brands that might make sense, but now we've got freedom to edit our grid. So we can now make our grid look all nice and glossy, but actually it doesn't have to interfere with our posting strategy. Uh, But also we can try and we can do some new things with this as well. Um, We can try and create brand new games where people have to find things in our grid. Like a virtual hide and seek. Ultimately, um, nice way of generating engagement, getting people to check out your other posts as well. So, with each new feature, there's lots of different use cases for it. So, it's not available to everyone. They're testing it at the moment, but um, it looks likely they might do something with this. Hence, me bringing it up. And once again, this is why you know I don't like to talk about stuff in test because there's always a million things in test. I'm only only like to bring things up where I think they have you know, a role to play, a significant role to play in our strategies. And this one absolutely does, which is Instagram testing the vertical feed for stories, i.e. it's gonna look exactly like TikTok. Um, But once again, you know, what we can see from this is where Instagram are headed. And um, I would recommend checking out TikTok if you haven't done already, I'm sure you probably have or come hooked to it like I, I have in the past but anyway um the reason i'm suggesting that is because really that same user experience is what um instagram are heading towards um you know we we could bemoan the fact that they're not being particularly original but fundamentally if they'll see consumer trends changing they will change with them so we're going to see a very different instagram experience so you know where we where we sit now today on the 25th of january versus you know when we do our roundup at the end of this year Instagram will look a very different thing, uh, is what my prediction would be. So it's definitely worthwhile um, keeping an eye on your Instagram strategy and being prepared to be a little bit nimble with your approach. Instagram also testing fan subscriptions as well, exactly in the same um, guise of those Instagram badges we were talking about, once again, monetizing audiences, uh, exactly the same as Twitter super follows, ultimately. Talking of Twitter, um, Spaces is still the main focal point. So, as a reminder, Twitter Spaces is their alternative to Clubhouse. So, um, yeah, on-demand uh, live audio content that anyone can tune into. You might see from this uh, slightly dubious-looking screenshot. Sorry about that. I should I make it bigger? Um, that little icon at the bottom that I'm hovering my mouse over. That is the Spaces icon, and that really is. A great sign of um, LinkedIn or Twitter's intent to really push spaces, because here now, being the primary navigation, it takes you in. If you open up your Twitter app, it's likely that yours will be updated to to look very similar to that. You're taken into all of the spaces that are happening right now. So real big focus on these spaces for Twitter. So they're making a big bet on this. Um, I don't have any data as to how it's playing out for them, but definitely one to keep an eye on. And if Twitter is a key part of your strategy, spaces should absolutely be something you're you're considering at the moment. And they're also testing out private versions of spaces as well, rather than it just being open to anyone. It might be a case where you only want certain people involved. They're on that. Recording comes to Twitter spaces, huge, hugely important. So as we start our space here, as you'll see from this screenshot, uh, we have the option to record it absolutely critical for accessibility absolutely so um, i think this is now they've got this feature it starts to make this a lot more palatable for us as businesses because when we record something it means we've got some content to live perpetually that we can repurpose onto youtube we can um, transcribe it have it up as a blog cut it up into mo- multiple different social posts basically to reuse and repurpose to maximize our investment of the time we spent creating this content So not only are they improving accessibility, they're improving discoverability. So this is the kind of process of of starting a uh, Twitter audio space here on this screenshot. So here what we can start doing is adding tags to our spaces. This is a really important thing about discoverability. And this is uh, something that Clubhouse really struggled with. And ultimately it was the start of the downfall is because it was so hard for people to find what they were interested in. Um, on Clubhouse. And whilst I don't think Twitter have nailed this by any stretch of the imagination, they've, they've started to make it a lot better because these topic tags will really encourage discoverability, helping people find and surface the stuff that's relevant for them in the shortest time possible. Uh, Twitter are testing something, but once again, I thought this was significant enough to share. This is their tweet reactions, which is exactly the same uh, theory um, as what we were talking about with Instagram, where they could reply to, or you could reply to uh, comments on your post with Reels, this is exactly the same thing. So doing a uh, a Twitter reaction ultimately. So as you can see here, rather than just quoting a tweet and retweeting, we can quote tweet with re- reaction. So once again, like Twitter, which has always been the kind of king of uh, written content, once again testing the water of a bit more video content. Once again, it's only a test. Not too sure if this will make it. Um, Twitter are going to make improvements to TweetDeck. If you're not familiar with TweetDeck, um, yeah, I don't know what I was going to say there, but I think you probably should be familiar with it ultimately. Um, TweetDeck is a free tool from Twitter. And basically it is, if you spend a lot of time on Twitter or Twitter's part of your strategy, essential for understanding what's going on. They've made some good improvements to it. It doesn't get updated regularly, tweetdeck, TweetDeck, but when it does, it's always really useful helping you to organize the things that you're looking to discover. So you can set up lists around um, certain categories or topics that you want to follow to find out what people are saying, follow certain individuals and see feeds of everything they're posting, or if you just want to see content related to a certain search term, we can just pull that all in here. So lots more features than this, and for me, this this answers so much of a You know the use case for social media listening to really understand and get a temperature check around what people are saying. TweetDeck is super powerful, incredible. It's absolutely free, so those updates are now live. This is a bit niche, but I'm going to bring this up anyway because it's not going to be niche. Um, If we once again, if we do this at the end of the year, or when we do this at the end of the year, um, this will have evolved substantially. So I'm sure you've probably heard NFTs in passing, or you might have you know, become quite familiar with what non-fungible tokens are. Um, Twitter is really keen on them and the ability to display NFTs on the profile. This seems like practicali- practically, we don't need to worry too much about what this actually is from a feature level. But what is quite interesting, however, is the future of NFTs and how they're going to play a role on social, especially in community building. There's a, a lot bigger conversation. It's probably a separate conversation all on that piece. Um, yeah, feel free to message me if you want to talk about that in more in more detail. But um, social is going to become more complex over the fullness of time, especially as kind of cryptocurrencies start to, like, converge with social. It's an exciting space, but um, there's we're so much. We're just at the beginning of it, really, to be honest with you. So lots to come on that. Twitter are testing out flocks as well. Um, they do like their slightly random names, like their approach to stories, which they called Fleets, but they got rid of that one. So who knows if flocks will stay or go. But flocks um, really gives you an opportunity to determine who do you want to communicate with on Twitter and limit the audience. So you can have a more of a kind of private subgroup on Twitter if you want to limit where your messages go to. But more importantly than that, uh, Twitter Communities is coming to Android. Twitter Communities, as a reminder, is their, uh, Twitter's take on uh, Facebook groups. And that's coming to Android, which is the kind of the final, um, final space that it's coming to. It's already on iOS, it's already on desktop. So uh, Twitter Communities, um, it's gonna be really interesting because they're pushing this. So basically Twitter Spaces, as we've spoken about, and their Communities feature are really the two core features they're really pushing into. Um, I haven't seen any any metrics as to um, the growth of Twitter communities so far. It's still a fairly new feature. Um, But certainly, once again, as was the case with Twitter spaces, if Twitter is your thing and that's a strategy or it's a platform where you base a lot of your strategy on, then communities could be a really good thing for you, actually. So and I know that Twitter will be pushing it heavily, more heavily than Facebook will be pushing their groups. So it could well be a good opportunity to to build your community on Twitter communities. On to LinkedIn, um, a couple of updates actually. It's usually a bit quiet LinkedIn, so it's good to see some nice stuff coming. We spoke a lot about Twitter Audio Spaces being the kind of alternative to Clubhouse. LinkedIn Audio Rooms are coming next couple of months. We hear so um, I think it has a really natural home on linkedin and what audio rooms do in particular because there's the kind of like accountability here that because on linkedin you are your own person really um, so you're not hiding behind an avatar or, or a profile so there's more liability on the quality of that content so um, well that's what i hope anyway um, but i'm quite excited for this and for from a kind of public sector perspective or a business to business perspective I think this actually represents a really good uh, opportunity to increase engagement, increase interaction, because really nothing quite builds community, builds connection uh, like hearing another person's voice. So this opens up an extra level of kind of one-to-one intimacy, if you if you will, um, to have that dialogue with businesses and brands, etc. Just like with uh, Facebook that we saw earlier, they're doing multi-person live streams. All of the platforms are big on live streaming at the moment. And same kind of webinar risk, uh, webinar-y functionality. I quite like how it's opening in a separate window like this, so we can continue scrolling LinkedIn whilst we've got this live stream happening at the same time. They're also evolving how live streams look, as you can see here, improving the, the view of it, giving more features to it that become more kind of webinar-related. They're improving the discovery of newsletters. Um, newsletters is something I've I've been quite keen on. Um, And if you use LinkedIn regularly, you will have seen lots of invitations to probably follow newsletters or take part in something. So newsletter discovery, you know, LinkedIn are pushing it a lot as you can see, because if you use LinkedIn regularly, as I said, you start to see lots of notifications about those that are inviting you to join newsletters. But now we can start to even further improve discovery by on our personal profile, we can feature it now. So feature a little call to action to get people to subscribe to our newsletter, and then on a company page as well we'll be able to do that provided that your company page has over 500 followers i think this is a really good opportunity for our public sector organisations newsletters i really like because newsletters allows you to segment a portion of your audience that really want to hear from you so i've said this a few times but i'll kind of mention it again is that i don't see these newsletters as a replacement for you know your existing uh, email list or subscriber list that you have, you absolutely, that should always be the ultimate goal to have as much on your own territory as possible. But where I see newsletters, I see it as like a really good interim period um, between what you post to your feed, because you post your stuff to your feed, let's just say on LinkedIn, for example, post it to the feed and hope that people will see it. If you can get people in to your newsletter, that means that that content will be served to those individuals without doubt. So it's a nice way of ensuring that you have your kind of um, closer followers, connections, whatever, that subscribe to a newsletter. And then your objective after that is to bring more of those people into your own ecosystem, onto your own subscriber base, etc. But it really just helps you segment uh, the kind of fans that you might have or you know, true followers versus all of the others that aren't particularly interested in the content you typically share. So I think that's a really good opportunity to really ramp up engagement. Whilst it isn't all about scale, it's about deeper, more meaningful quality content and quality connection. Over to TikTok. Right. A very impressive statistic. This TikTok traffic has topped Google. So more people go to TikTok.com in 2021 than they did to Google. What a ridiculous statistic that is. Unbelievable growth. Um, And that really just kind of charts the course for where TikTok are going. Spending is up 77 percent. And the interesting thing about that isn't that this doesn't relate to ads. This relates to people spending money on the platform um, with creators, with people that they're following. We're really seeing like, you know, the burgeoning social media trends happening on TikTok first before the other platforms. And that really is the sole reason why Instagram are falling over themselves to to catch up with with TikTok and basically becoming a kind of you know just going all out copy and paste on all of those features. So, but it isn't always people looking to TikTok to copy because TikTok are also copying others. Um, so this could make TikTok into a really complete platform. So they're testing out resharing of posts exactly like retweeting um, on Twitter. Which then actually provides us with a nice opportunity. If, if you're maybe you know been on the fence about TikTok and thought actually I'm a bit worried of pressing the post button because I don't know what to say, you're like getting started by sharing others' content is a great way to get started. So it's just given us you know another creative opportunity to get involved with TikTok, and I, I've really started to, to sense this with within TikTok whilst they're, they were happy being the kind of early adopter cool tool adopted by uh, the kids, ultimately. Man, I sound old saying that. Um, but then what's what's gonna happen though, is that TikTok very quickly wants to then become a mass market tool. And to do that, they start introducing features that are more commonplace to the other, more kind of commonly accepted or mass market tools, being reposting, being one of those. Uh, live stream shoppings happened. And it's happened in the UK. Uh, this was an event that ran uh, mid-December, um, so it's the first live stream event. It's essentially, you know, this really does chart the course of, of TikTok. Um, live stream e-commerce um, is a nine hundred billion dollar industry, which is just frankly staggering. That number in China, and very much um, the US and the UK are following suite with that, or following suit with that rather. Is that You know, it's kind of interesting when you think about it, because this this has been available or live stream shopping has been available, you know, since the 1960s, you know, through mail order catalogs or live, um, you know, QVC channels, etc. So it's really interesting to see this playing out in the younger generation. Um, But ultimately, once again, what that means for brands is that behaviours are changed forever, more people focusing on on spending more time on the platform and then being in a purchasing mindset or a mindset to kind of take action on the platform rather than just there for entertainment. How the TikTok algorithm works. Now, let me do a quick time check to see where we're at. Um, Well, I said it'd be half an hour, massively overrun. Ultimately, the main focus of TikTok here is all about user interactions. So there's lots of other things that you can see here, but ultimately, The the key thing is, is that they want people to spend time on the platform. So what that means is that if people are watching your content all the way through, which also means optimizing for shorter content, 30 seconds, et cetera. If people are, are watching your content all the way through and staying on the platform, of course, interacting with it and engaging with it is what we want. But that really is the thing that drives TikTok. They want to have people spend time on the platform. So if we can figure out how to optimize our content to get people to spend more time on the platform, maybe check out our other posts, watch our video through to the end, et cetera, that's the thing that TikTok is gonna reward with more views. So that's um, that really is the main takeaway, but um, these slides I'll be sharing. TikTok are testing new profile discovery tools. Um, once again, like I said, TikTok are all about going mass market now, so they want to encourage you to start sharing your TikTok profile outside of TikTok so people can follow you. So they're making it easier to do that. They're also bringing in, not just the kind of reposting functionality, bringing in the stories as well. So um, this is their next phase of testing. So it's likely they're gonna bring stories into it. So, um, so as I said, TikTok aren't completely immune to copying others, basically. TikTok create a collaboration. I won't f- read through all of this, but the, the key here is that the, th- the thing that really unlocks success on TikTok isn't necessarily going to be like um, us creating content or you creating content and starting to post it. It really is going to be about working with others, finding the mutual benefit. Um, And it doesn't always have to be through paying others to post about you. Looking at creators you can work with because it's those collaboration with those creators that already have the community that really is going to unlock growth. And I think that really is going to be the, the future long term of how businesses, organizations, et cetera, are going to interact with social. They're either going to create content that's going to be native to the platform that really fits. Um, and you see this, you see businesses like Washington Post that have adopted TikTok really well. And it's become very, the content they create is very, feels very native to TikTok, like it belongs there. They'll either do that, But obviously, that requires people that are comfortable with doing that. It requires lots of creativity, requires lots of freedom and a culture that appreciates that. Um, But the other alternate angle where I see probably most businesses will go will be focusing on who can we work with that will give us a fast start on the platforms and who can we work with in collaboration that supports our values, our mission, our purpose, et cetera, and has the right kind of audience and really, our focus I see in the full fullness of time in social as businesses and organizations will be more on working with others rather than you know creating our content or just using social as a as a channel to promote our latest blog post, for example. So I, th- I see that as a, a upcoming shift. I've already spoken about that actually. TikTok once again testing fan subscriptions like the other, oh, all of the other platforms about creators and monetizing the community. Um, Pinterest is also encouraging and enhancing creator discovery as well so this is a new update on Pinterest where profiles section um, if you're searching a certain brand and most brand searches about 90 percent of searches that happen on Pinterest are brand orientated but now it becomes even easier to find those uh, profiles um, and follow those individuals so once again improving discovery of those that are on Pinterest. And Pinterest publishing has also come to Content Cal. If you'll forgive, it has only launched today, so if you forgive the uh, slight promo angle on that. Um, Snapchat have once again just done some kind of nice updates that encourage um, deeper engagement. So uh, these emoji polls, nice simple interaction measures to encourage an audience participation, and also these kind of Bitmoji reactions. So as as we said in previous. Um, sessions like this snapchat's audience skews the youngest out of every everyone focusing more on kind of 14 to 21 so it's those kind of reactions that and the kind of engagement prompts is really where snapchat is orientated towards so we don't talk about snapchat that much they don't hit the headlines that much they don't rapidly develop as quickly as TikTok, for example but still have a very loyal following amongst uh, the younger demographic Uh, Clubhouse not much to say on Clubhouse other than they've just added saved replays so now both Twitter audio spaces and Clubhouse have the ability for you to um, do a live audio webinar if you will Um, a live audio room of which can be recorded saved by others and can be watched on demand later and with that massive apologies because I overran by 15 minutes I'm gonna summarize it with the six themes that I mentioned, which is governing all oh, social media direction. I think all these have probably become quite clear, but let's kind of recap them. Big changes ahead for Instagram. Um, that must've been probably quite clear. Uh, in, their, in their quest to take on TikTok, um, they're focusing heavily on video. We've seen some engagement statistics that suggest, you know, a higher uh, prevalence of engagement around short form content. Um, you know, for 10 to 20 characters, really 10 to 200 characters really was the optimum time for engagement, optimum space for engagement on that. Um, and then we've also seen on Instagram, particularly, uh, we've seen an orientation towards more video content and more engagement within that. Um, the importance of creators and communities continues to grow. I've already waffled enough about that as well. Um, clearly, that's that's going to be the next generation of how brands and organizations organizations will grow, you know, will reach brand awareness and will market themselves on social, embedding themselves in the communities and the cultures within those communities, really the subcultures, if you will. Social commerce is going to still continue to drive direction. That means great things for all organisations, whether a retail or not, because it changes the mindset of uh, those that are going to social, not just for entertainment purposes, but they're going there for a purpose and will flood social with more and more users, which is great for any organization that wants to build their profile. Live streaming, um, and this is applicable for everyone. There's a lot of weight put behind live streaming across all platforms. We saw some big updates on this session uh, for both Facebook and LinkedIn, um, and irrespective of business sector, very, very important. Remixing and video reactions become the new engagement benchmark. I touched on that already, but really uh, how we create our content, whether we create that in partnership with creators, or we create it ourselves, how we can then encourage that content to go further to give it a life of its own, whether we can kind of, you know, reply to those individuals with video, as we saw with what Twitter are testing with um, tweet reactions, and what we've seen with with Instagram, what they rolled out ability to reply to all comments with a real Uh, and also what we've seen is that the um, remixing piece which Instagram have just rolled out to all videos now so people can take a you know do their own take or parody on that video and that really is like I said how kind of trends evolve and grow and in general what we're seeing through a broader shift on social a trend towards self-expression You know, it's more people are creating content on social than ever before. So it's not just more people on the platform, more people are creating content, more people feel compelled to express themselves, which is brilliant news for us as businesses, because it also means, you know, we get a larger proportion of user generated content if we can use it well. A good way of finding user generated content is what we saw on Twitter with with TweetDeck, for example, a nice simple way of figuring out what people are saying and kind of using and reusing and repurposing the content that's already being said about a certain subject matter or even your business maybe. User generated content becomes super, super important and that feeds into the previous theme about kind of remixing as well. So lots to consider. These are the kind of big macro shifts. I'm always mindful of like, just it's sometimes a little bit overwhelming when I go through all of this stuff. But fundamentally, you know, continuing the way we are doesn't mean that you know, we're not going to see any growth. Absolutely not. But thinking about at least a couple of these themes and thinking about how you can embed them into your strategies will definitely set you in a good stead of how you can evolve your social media plan moving forward. And with that, let's go back to Joanne in the studio.
1: Thanks, Andy. Um, Wonderful as always. I have loads of notes. Um, While you take a breather, I'll just kind of assimilate my thoughts. <laughs> One thing to note is that, you know, I listen to you every month and obviously I have a practitioner as well. But the social networks are evolving at such a rate and they are unforgiving in a way if you don't at least sample and test some of the new features. And what's really clear in 2022 is that it's time to go all in on TikTok. There is a place for us. I was just a doing some preparatory work for a paper um, or a podcast I was writing yesterday. And obviously, I come at this mainly from public sector, because this is, you know, the the main audience that I deal with. But I know we've got lots of other people who, who love to watch your updates every month, and they're more than welcome. But, you know, one of the biggest Spaces uh, for content creators on TikTok is the education and the life hack space. Mm-hmm. In fact, oh, yeah. it's nine out of the top ten themes. And so, what I'm kind of saying to my students and clients is that, guys, when you go to TikTok, it's almost like the ABC or the one, two, three of the knowledge that you have. People yeah. aren't going into monologues about, you know, um you know, the origins of whatever, they're actually telling you little simple life hacks that you can apply, whether it's digital marketing, social media, or whether it's any public sector type of content. So my advice is go back to basics with your content. Who are you? What do you do? What do you know? What are those little nuggets that people could get that are hacks and then grow it? The fact that you said, you know, lean into TikTok, get familiar with reels that's it they're emulating each other so mobile video green screen audio overlay you know all of these effects they're not that difficult i think people are like we you know, remember when snapchat came out and we opened up the app and then we saw our faces and that freaked us out <laughs> yeah. and i think we've got to kind of demystify what reels and what TikTok are um but you know instagram getting rid of igtv last year now saying that all video on instagram is going to be reels that's definitely a note that you need to take two other um trends that i think public sector need to uh, lean into this year and you mentioned them spaces audio is a lovely type of content where you're not that exposed i think the private spaces is probably where public sector would love to go and have that privacy and setting up niche spaces Mm -hmm. and then the newsletter on linkedin and i totally agree the way that they are pushing it out to your connections and to your followers and then it going into their email inbox is like a superpower so i started a, a newsletter three weeks ago 1870 subscribers, all (laughs) organic. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to take credit for writing three amazing newsletters. I'm taking, I'm kind of giving LinkedIn the credit going, you're because people weren't so unsubscribing when it hit their inbox because they already knew me from being on LinkedIn, right? Mm. That relationship was built. And so I think there's loads and loads of opportunity for us to. Pick one or two or three things that we'll do this year and um, and actually just um, embrace the change. Uh, Graham says, is there a location available for people to go find collaborations with people and brands? Thanks. Um, I'll start off and I'll hand it over to Andy. I guess find out who your ideal audience is and maybe search by topic on the social channels. Be clear on what channel they're on. Um, and kind of seek them out that way. But Andy, do you have any ideas there?
0: Yeah, uh, there's a thing called a uh, TikTok creator marketplace. So, uh, which is open access. So you can just go on that and um, there's some search parameters you can put in. Um, that typically last time I checked, it's fairly new, was pulling back a lot of the kind of major, uh, major people which you don't want to go to um, you know, those macro influencers. We don't want to go to that route. I think I, w- I would always orientate towards what we class as micro-influencers, those with less than 20,000 followers, really. Um, those that have got a really like dedicated following, basically what Joanne's built ultimately around a certain niche. Um, so I'd recommend, yeah, TikTok create a marketplace. Um, absolutely, as Joanne's already said, going to the platform directly, just playing about with some different search terms. Um, and there's also another tool you can use where there's a free trial of, which will get you a feel for it. It's called hypeauditor.com. Uh, that's quite a nice tool because it gives you like an audience quality score as well. So that would be a good, you know, first initial pass at it.
1: Well, Graham's all in today. Let's let him ask the questions. He says that he wants to know how LinkedIn video views work. He's noticed a fall in the last month. I would have to agree that LinkedIn in terms of video views, it's not the number one content format. Andy, what are you finding?
0: Yeah, agreed. I mean, I my main kind of flagship content on on LinkedIn is video for sure. And yeah, I, I really struggle to to hit really good video numbers, to be honest. Um uh, always my written content with no no images does the best so um yeah it's even though it's, it's really like sometimes very confusing because you'd like to see a rule where it would be like post video content video does better than anything else but it's it's not the case it's different platforms um and if you think typically the way that people are browsing as well on LinkedIn is predominantly on desktop as well so um, that does change people's preferences to, you know, whether they're going to sit and watch a video, et cetera. Um, yeah, he's yeah. gone
1: from thousands of views to 15. The one thing that I would say, Graham, is don't let that dissuade you from stopping video. Um, showing up and showing people who you are behind the text and the copy and the links is so, so important. Remember, LinkedIn is testing everything behind the scenes, too. And as we try and grow, what we're doing, sometimes they can have an algorithmic change or a feature change. And then their focus at the moment is definitely much on, you know, creator mode and articles, newsletters, and now audio. And I just love experimenting and and seeing what my audience likes. But I still think showing up on LinkedIn in video, you're still going to be in the minority. And I think that builds trust as well. But um, yeah, don't let it kind of kill your, kill your buzz. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no no uh, and that that is a that is a big drop so it's, that's not um uh a algorithmic shift that's yeah there's probably a bit more underneath that graham because that's a dramatic drop when i yeah you know, i reference on my drop video drop has been maybe about 100 or so views um but it won't stop me doing it as joanne um already referenced anyway
1: yeah Um, So people are looking for these slides also, Andy, but I think we'll share them, right? Um, I'll share them on my uh, website, publicsectormarketingpros.com. They'll be in the show notes for next week's podcast. And Andy, do you want to share, have you got somewhere where you want to share them also? Uh,
0: Yeah, I've actually put them on a slide share. So it is on a slide share on LinkedIn, actually, just trying to think of the best way to, to actually... How's that in the comments? So, um, maybe as we do this now, as we're kind of finishing up the live.
1: If you find the link, I can post it publicly here.
0: Great. Um, Uh,
1: These guys. Um, Sasha has also come in and she was uh, talking about Snapchat uh, because she didn't realize it was just a thing, but then she realized that the age profile is really kind of 13 to 21. And um, again, yeah not uh not not the biggest audience if you're not in the um in the younger ed- audience demographic so okay. lots happening lots happening in the next um in the next year when it comes to social media get all in on TikTok. you'll master reels at the same time think about building your own community how are you going to do it is it a linkedin newsletter is it audio spaces remember we want to funnel everybody from social back into our own email community as well um but definitely test and as graham says whatever you do show up and show up consistently Um, andy i want to thank you so much as always for your research for your time you're so generous with your time and as always we're always very happy to to support you and. we all the great work that you guys do at Content Cal. And so if you ever wanna reach out to Andy, find him on social, um, he's amazing. And you've also just put in that link for me. Yeah. So I will go and post that here. Uh, There's
0: little slides. The, and um, uh, yeah, if you wanna, um, I talk about this stuff all the time, like personal LinkedIn of which this link will direct you to to the slideshow on my personal LinkedIn. So yeah, always welcome any new connections. And um, yeah, thank you to anyone who's listened in.
1: Amazing. Well, listen, um, I will see you next month. It'll be the last Tuesday of the month at lunchtime. Um, You have a great day and everyone watching, if you're watching the replay, thank you so much. And we'll see you again.
0: Thanks, Thanks, Joanne. Bye-bye. A
1: one-stop shop digital marketing and social media resource. Join our membership academy for 12 months. Access a library of how to videos, template strategies, and organizational policies. Monthly live coaching. Attend webinars with subject matter experts. Meet and network with public sector pros from across the world. Use the code MEMBERSHIP20 for a 20% discount.
0: Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com.
1: Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 47 of the Public Sector Marketing Show. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review on your favourite podcast platform. Andy will be back with more social media news next month. But for me, for now, thank you for listening or watching. And I'll see you on episode 48.
0: Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. This episode has ended, but your digital journey can continue. Head over to publicsectormarketingpros.com to access resources and links mentioned in today's show and to connect with Joanne and her team. Until the next time, be sure to subscribe, rate and review on your favorite podcast platform.